welcome to Compliance Solved, where we provide our listeners with 15 to 20 minutes of compliance advice brought to you by healthcare compliance pros. We've got you covered from coast to coast, bringing you the very latest in healthcare compliance with our experts, Chad Schiffman and Loretta Maddox. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining this episode of Compliance Solved. My name is Chad Schiffman, the Director of Compliance at Healthcare Compliance Pros. Today's episode will feature a discussion between Healthcare Compliance Pros employees Loretta Maddox, Megan Toombs, and Brandon Oots regarding a very important healthcare compliance requirement. Now, they are going to talk about a security risk analysis. Just how important is a security risk analysis? Well, year after year, it is a common finding for the Office for Civil Rights with healthcare organizations. It is common for them to find that healthcare organizations failed to conduct an accurate and thorough assessment of the potential risks and vulnerabilities to the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of electronic protected health information. In other words, they failed to perform a security risk analysis at all or failed to complete one that was in compliance with HIPAA requirements. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to their discussion now. Well, and, and it's interesting because just as we were, you know, putting some of these resources together yesterday, I came across um, another article about a facility in Phoenix, um, Dignity Health doing business as St. Joseph's Hospital, who were just recently handed a fine of $160,000 for a similar issue as to what you just described, Loretta. Right. There had actually been a request for medical records um, that was not thoroughly fulfilled. It was a mother requesting information for her son, and she actually made a request on four different occasions between um, January and April of 2018. And while they fulfilled some of those requests, they didn't fulfill all of them. And she ended up filing a complaint. And as a result, that $160,000 fine was handed down. Right. Um, so it's very interesting. That's still happening. I mean, even up to you know yesterday was when I found that. But you know, we talk a little bit about the covered entities, but, you know, business associates are just, you know, they're held to the same responsibility. Um, and I think many of the conversations that we have with healthcare organizations today is usually revolving around education to help practices and billing companies to understand what, what it is they're going to be required to do and, you know, how exactly they can meet those expectations. So, under you know, understanding compliance is not something that is you know, a generally taught subject, which is really surprising, you know, if you do understand compliance, given the nature of the penalties of those requirements, and if they're not met, you know, what happens and what's handed down in settlements and fines. So, you know, it seems that there are new examples just about every other week of fines and penalties being handed down to organizations that could have, you know, prevented it very easily with a little bit of due diligence and support from, you know, a program like the one we have developed. So, um, you know, it's very important to understand that not just the covered entities need to be concerned with compliance, but as well business associates. So there's actually a recent example I wanted to share of uh, non-compliance. It was actually a business associate uh, located in Tennessee that was fined $2.3 million um, for a breach of over 6 million um, individuals, e, uh, PHI and EPHI. It actually happened back in 2014 um, on, a, on April 10th. Uh, the organization CHSPSC, they suffered a cyber attack um, by an advanced group known uh, labeled as APT18. Um, essentially what had happened was they were using compromised admin credentials and the hackers remotely accessed their information systems via its, you know, virtual private network or VPN solution. And that's something that, you know, in today's environment is an e even more increased risk given the 
you know, what did you say, 43.5% increase in, you know, telehealth or, uh, commuting, right, working from home over VPNs. Um, this organization failed to detect the intrusion. They were notified by the FBI on April 18th, just a couple days later, that its systems had been compromised. And what had happened was during the time the hackers had the access to their systems, the EPHI over, of over 6.1 million individuals was actually exfiltrated. So what happened was OCR, they launched an investigation into the breach. They uncovered systemic noncompliance within, you know, the HIPAA security rules. And then it's one of those things where, you know, it's safe to say that it's not really possible to prevent the cyber attacks by a lot of the sophisticated threats that are out there. Um, when an intrusion is detected and you are aware of it, action does need to be taken quickly. Um, the idea is to limit the harm caused. So despite being notified by the FBI in April um, that its systems had been compromised, the hackers remained active in the system for almost four months, um, finally being extricated in August 2014. So during that time, this Tennessee-based uh, business associate failed to prevent unauthorized access, and the hackers continued to steal EPHI over that four-month period. So um, there's actually a quote from the OCR director, Roger Severino, that I wanted to share. And he says, in, in light of this, this uh, circumstance, that the healthcare industry is a known target for hackers and cyber thieves. The failure to implement the security protections required by the HIPAA rules, especially after being notified by the FBI of a potential breach, is what he calls inexcusable. So, you know, as a result, you know, there was a sizable financial penalty that was, you know, we could all agree is appropriate. Well, and I, I want to point out, Brandon, because I think you make a couple of really good points on this, is that number one, it's very, I don't think you can say you can prevent cyber attacks, but when the OCR does an investigation, they are going to look for Compliance. What have you been doing? And this, the term systemic non-compliance is used quite a bit in these situations because people are not following the security rule like they should. Granted, that may not keep you from having a cyber attack, but it's going to show to the OCR during an investigation that you have done your due diligence. And I think the point that Director Severino is making is that the OCR is no longer going to take an approach or take the excuse of well, I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to do all of these things. The security rule had a compliance date of April 21st, 2005. We are in 2020. So we can no longer say, sorry, we just didn't know. We have to make sure that covered entities and business associates are following the security rule to the max. In that way, if something like this happens, at least the OCR sees that you were doing your due diligence. Right. And that brings up another point, right? On top of the fine that was handed down, the OCR is going to require that, um, you know, this organization in Tennessee adopt a robust and um, extensive correction action plan to address all of those areas of noncompliance that were found. So the OCR is going to be closely monitoring for the following, you know, two years based on everything that had taken place. So, and, you know, I'm sure you can attest, Loretta and Megan as well, that a lot of the conversations that we have with practices and organizations and business associates who come to us, it's a lot of times it's reactive. Right. Sometimes they're facing down the barrel of an audit or they're, you know, they read an article like something like this and they recently find out that, you know, what we're almost entirely non-compliant outside of just doing a training module. So, um, you know, that's not, you know, that's a conversation I think we have a little bit more often than we need to when a proactive approach can be can be sufficient. Oh, and I agree with that. I think I mean, I, we would rather. So I think we would all agree that we would rather help clients on the front end as opposed to on the back end when they are dealing with a situation like this. However, 
I mean, we're there in either case. And, and we, if, when we do have situations like this and we have, we do actively help the client through that process and it can be scary. And so, um, but again, Brandon, to your point, we would, we would much rather be there on the front end to help you avoid it, than, right. <laughs> but we're there either way, either way. I just want to add to those with another recent case involving an orthopedic practice in Georgia that agreed to pay $1.5 million and adopt a corrective action plan to settle HIPAA violations. So these, well, you notice a trend with these, they're all similar being in violation of HIPAA. Um, in this case, hackers went in and used the vendor's credentials to access their EMR, exfiltrated the database, and then contacted the practice and demanded money in return for the records. The reason we bring this up is this is something for you to think about from a security standpoint as well. You know, from, from the side of telehealth and being in compliance with HIPAA, that's, that's one area. But as far as a, a breach, it, could you handle the repercussions of having a breach to that degree and, and breaching the patient records? Um, like Loretta mentioned earlier, um, it's important to be within those guidelines, but we want to help you avoid any of those potential issues that you would have as far as reputation control and having, you know, taking good care of your patients that does affect patient care. Um, so in this case, the organization filed a breach report informing OCR that over 200,000 patient records had been affected and the PHI disclosed included patients' names, date of birth, social security numbers, medical procedures, test results, and health insurance information. OCR conducted an investigation that discovered a history of noncompliance, including failure to conduct a risk analysis, failure to implement risk management and audit controls, failure to update and maintain HIPAA policies and procedures, failure to secure business associate agreements with multiple business associates, and last but not least, failure to provide HIPAA training to workforce members. We see so many cases like this, and I outlined those on purpose that way because this is so avoidable. We have a program in place that we're helping clients every day to be on top of HIPAA requirements when it comes to training, compliance requirements, avoiding these types of mistakes, training your staffing, letting them know what their requirements are, how to avoid potential breaches. And so it, it's disheartening to see some of these stories and cases that we've read to you just because it's something that we can, it, it's so easy to avoid, something we can, we can do so so quickly and easily. So um, you'll notice that the common theme with these, like I said, is that they didn't conduct a risk analysis. Lerda, can you talk to us about the SRA and your experience with practices in that? Sure, sure. Um, you're absolutely right, Megan. I mean, this is a common trend in these cases for the OCR to determine that there was a failure either to conduct a security risk analysis or it was inadequate if they had done one. And the the SRA process is, it really, it has been historically the highest point of any audit failure and also something that is pointed to in almost every investigation. So it might be a situation where um, an organization is being investigated maybe for patient right of access, which has really maybe nothing to do with an SRA. But when the OCR does an investigation, and I, I want everyone on this call to understand, when they do an investigation, they can look at anything and they can go back six years. So 
when they do that, and that's why Megan listed all of the different things that was discovered that that the OCR discovered during that investigation, is because they get to look at your entire compliance from a HIPAA standpoint. And these things are so avoidable because there are, I mean, we offer these tools available to help you get through this process. So from a from an SRA standpoint, I do want to talk about a few common misconceptions, and that is that it is completed by your EHR. Um, granted, there may be some EHRs out there that are conducting or helping conduct an SRA on the information in that EHR, but a, an accurate and thorough security risk analysis includes all of your electronic protected health information, not just what's in that EHR. Now, granted, if you are, um, if you are getting, if you're participating in MIPS or another alternative payment model, then you have to attest to doing an SRA for that EHR, but there's that misconception that that means you're good from a HIPAA standpoint. You might be good from an audit standpoint on the, the MIPS program, but not from the level of the security rule because it doesn't, that may not encompass all of your electronic protected health information. It's also not a simple checklist. You cannot just check a few boxes and feel like you and feel secure about that SRA because it is not. It is a very detailed process. You have to start with your inventory of all electronic protected health information, and then you have to assess any threats and vulnerabilities to that data. And when I talk about an inventory, I do want to help you guys understand, like I said, it's more than the EHR. Think about your email. If, the, if you're using email for protected health information, that has to be included in the EHR. If you are using a telephone system that is maybe voice over IP and patient voicemails are being stored, then that is something that has to be included in that that SRA. If you are storing documents in any type of cloud storage, that has to be included. So you really have to look at everywhere that electronic protected health information is. In addition, it, you really have to look at all of these new things that you're doing now too. You might be doing telehealth. You might have remote workers. Anytime you have a change to something you're doing in your practice that involves electronic protected health information, that means you have to assess that risk. So you have to do a security risk assessment of those risks associated with that. And then you be from that information, then you can go the next step to try to manage those risks, like making sure you have appropriate business associate agreements in place, making sure you have the appropriate level of security on these devices, making sure that only those who need access should have access, and all of this is a part of that SRA process. Now, I know I've said a lot of things that may have immediately made you guys a little bit nervous and I, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news on that, but I do want you to be protected. So if you are thinking right now, okay, we need to look at our SRA, good, because you do. You need to look at it and make sure that, that you are covering all these bases. And, and the good news is we can help with that. We have tools available to help you assess that risk and get you to a point of compliance. And so, we definitely want you to know that we can offer that assistance. 
Thank you for listening to Compliance Solved, brought to you by Healthcare Compliance Pros. Are your compliance needs being met? Would you like a free compliance consultation? Do you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? We would love to hear from you. Please contact us through email, info at hcp.md, by phone, 855-427-0427, or visit our website at www.hcp.md.